Welcome everybody to the Life Plus God podcast. I am Alyssa Robinson, your host, and today I'm here with the senior pastor of Treach Memorial United Methodist Church, Reverend Daniel Humbert. Welcome. Hey, hey, glad to be here. Happy Advent. I hope it's going well for you so far. Yeah, good stuff. It's always good to celebrate. So part of the reason for Advent, well, the entire reason for Advent, I guess, is preparing for the birth of Jesus. There you go. And we talked about this a little bit. I talked about this with Doug in the Justice podcast, but the way that we're traditionally used to preparing for Jesus is the topics of hope, peace, love, joy, you know, um, the warm, fuzzy ones, but we have thrown in justice and forgiveness as two topics. And I, I think that these are not topics maybe that are usually covered during Advent as a way to prepare ourselves. I think at this church, we've covered them multiple times, but at most other churches that I've been to, justice and forgiveness aren't a big part of uh, the Christmas conversation. Shame on them. Shame (laughs) on them. Maybe I've just been going to the wrong churches. (laughs) So our big question today is, what does forgiveness have to do with Christmas? Yeah. Um, So it's kind of a, a play on what's love got to do with That's it? That's right, yeah. Tina what's, Turner, what's forgiveness, what's forgiveness, forgiveness got this? to do with it? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, there's a couple different levels. One is Jesus's name itself means that he'll be, that he will forgive the people of their sin. So in Matthew's gospel, it says, you're going to name this boy Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. So part of that is forgiveness. Part of that is just this recognition that salvation has to do with hey, uh, God's offering us forgiveness and reconciling us to God, right? So that's a part of it. Part of it is um, uh, Joseph with Mary, and this is all perception. It's not necessarily reality, but perception is uh, Joseph sort of forgives Mary for getting pregnant, and he's not a part of it, right? And so in their relationship, he goes ahead and commits to the relationship when in that day and time, that would have been a big no-no. So while forgiveness is not expressed, that is say it's literally talked about, it, it, he demonstrates it through what he does. And then finally, the very, the very nature of Jesus coming to the earth, God incarnate, right? God present with us, is an acknowledgement that God has sort of determined, man, Everything else I've done to try to help people know about forgiveness has clearly not worked because they're screwing up all the time and it doesn't seem to make any difference. So Jesus's presence itself sort of is an acknowledgement from God. Hey, I want you to know that forgiveness is real. And here's how real it is. I'm going to offer my own kid. Mm. So that's like an, an odd thought to me that. God was trying things that weren't working. <laughs> like that is so counter because yeah. we think of God as all powerful, all present. Like if God wants it, God gets it, right. that sort of thing. And yet we're saying Jesus had to come because nothing was working. That's right. Yeah. Could you say, put more around that to help me understand? Like, because it doesn't mean God is limited, but, yeah. but what does it mean? Well, so God is limited to the degree that God relies on us just as, not just as much, but just like we rely on God. That is to say, when God put everything into order, and particularly when we go back to the creation account, we won't get too far off on this, but it was clear from the very beginning that God made us, you know, as we are and intended for us to be in relationship with God. And instantly we screwed up, right? We we determined we were prideful and we wanted something God said, golly, you really shouldn't have. And so ever since then, God was trying through the Ten Commandments and through the prophets and through the covenants that God had established to have these relationships, and we kept screwing it up. And so it's not so much that God was limited in what God could do, but God was limited by what we would choose to do. That's called uh, free will. 
And so I, I believe, this is me, and I think there's some others who agree, um, God finally went, man, this is not working, so I'm going to try to hold or offer what is what I might consider the ultimate solution is, I'm going to offer you forgiveness from me, just sort of ultimately through the ultimate sacrifice and ultimate forgiveness. Hmm. So... So you mentioned the name of Jesus as meaning forgiveness or coming God to... God saves, really. It doesn't God literally saves. mean forgiveness. But. Okay, because I was a, a little confused by that, too, because I, I've always heard the term Emmanuel, which is God with us. And so I made the assumption, oh, Jesus means the same thing of God with us. But yeah. is there... There's this literal... Is it? Does it yeah, come from Greek? Yeah, it's in Matthew's or? Gospel. Yeah. And so uh, Yeshua is the real word, and it's just like Joshua in the Old Testament. And it literally means God will save or God saves. And so there is a bit of a, you know, a, a connection between the fact that God saves us, but the way in which God saves us is through forgiveness of sins and offering his son as the ultimate sacrifice. So let, let me ask uh, the next question, again, not limiting God, but wouldn't it have been possible for God to forgive us before Jesus if God wanted to? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so is Jesus coming to offer forgiveness? Is it us getting forgiveness from God, or is it us uh, learning to forgive each other? Because it, it seems that God wouldn't have needed Jesus to be able to forgive us if God wants to forgive us. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. So, the, the you know, you ask sort of, is it because God can forgive us through Jesus? And the answer is yes, but it also enables us to be able to forgive other people. So the way God saves us is not solely through forgiving us, but um, in, in Old Testament theology, one had to offer a sacrifice in order to be forgiven, right? So you have literally what was known as the scapegoat, and that kind of took sin away, and that was a very tangible thing to do. Jesus becomes that ultimate sacrifice, and of course that moves us you know, more towards Lent and Easter, but it has to start somewhere, and that's with the birth. And so when Jesus arrives, uh, we believe that through his life, through his teachings, that he demonstrates forgiveness and that he offers forgiveness, and that it's kind of the ultimate form of forgiveness from God so that we can then forgive other people. Hmm. So... I know we fast-forwarded to Lent a little bit, but <laughs> why is it important for us to focus on forgiveness during Advent, during this time? Yeah, that's a great concept, because um, uh, my, my purpose in trying to demonstrate that is this realization that Easter can't happen without Christmas, and Christmas is the beginning of the whole process. Uh, so Jesus fulfills a whole bunch of stuff in the Old Testament. I can't go into all of it, but man, he... He fulfills so much of the biblical prophecy that helps us recognize that we need to be reconciled to God. That's something that happens even as early as Abraham uh, back in Genesis, that we need recon to be reconciled to God, to be made right with God. And so Jesus kind of fulfills that, and that reconciliation can only happen when we accept the forgiveness that God offers to us. So that's why we need to talk about it at Christmas or Advent, is because it's setting up the entire life teaching death and resurrection of Jesus when we start it with his birth. Mm. Well, well, let's focus on the Christmas story itself yeah. for a little bit, because you mentioned Joseph and, and his act of forgiveness. Where can we find forgiveness throughout the Christmas story? Is Joseph the one and only example, or are there other breadcrumbs of forgiveness that we could pick up on? Well, so... Um, 
I, I think you have to look at it in the broader sense. So even as I mentioned with regard to Joseph, he doesn't expressly say, hey, Mary, I forgive you for, you know, doing this thing. We know, Joseph doesn't, we know in reading that, you know, Mary's doing what is fulfilling, you know, God's call and, and fulfilling the promise that God had made. <clears throat> Joseph doesn't. His actions are what demonstrate forgiveness. I'll take you as my wife. You will be a part of my family. We will raise a family together. All of those are, what do you, what do you call it, um, uh, subliminal forgiveness, right? It's not like he expressly says, hey, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. But in the bigger picture, again, it's God offering Jesus as a, a human to step among us and to demonstrate forgiveness over and over again. Mm -hmm. So uh, Christmas is the beginning of all that. There's nothing There's nothing in the scriptures in Matthew or uh, Luke that, uh, that they're the only ones who really have the birth story that express forgiveness. Mm. Now, some of the texts we use from, from um, the prophets have a little bit of that. And so when you get into Isaiah 11 or Isaiah chapter 9, there's some understandings of forgiveness that are tied to the coming Messiah. With Joseph, that is, it is kind of a complicated example of forgiveness, right? Because we see the full story that he didn't see. And so we're looking at Mary and saying, there's nothing to be forgiven. Right. She didn't do anything wrong. Right. But in his mind, like he doesn't really know what's going on. Right. And his first thought, I'm <clears throat> guessing, is she's messing around. Right. That's um, exactly right. And so, but I guess my question is, what is the difference between forgiveness and acceptance? Hmm. Uh, is there a difference or do they, do they have to go together? Yeah. Well, so um, I believe that God's forgiveness is different than our human forgiveness of each other. Ooh, yeah. And so God forgives us and accepts us. And that's a part of the package deal, if you will, of God, is that I forgive you and therefore I want this relationship, even when I know you're not going to get it right, and when the things are not going to go well. For human forgiveness, there really is a very distinct difference. I, I don't have to, as if, you know, I, I sort of go to the extreme. If, if you are abusing me and I get out of that relationship because I clearly don't need to be in that relationship, I can ultimately forgive you for the wrong that you've done for, to me, but I clearly never have to accept that behavior, accept what happened, uh, accept that it was right. I don't have to accept any of those things. But the forgiveness in that case is um, for my sanity and my capacity to not let you and your behavior rule over the rest of my life as, a, you know, as a, a, an abuse survivor. Um, I need to forgive you at some point because I need to move on. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the only real way that I can find healing and wholeness for myself as a, as a, a victim is, is to forgive you. But I don't have to forget about it and I don't have to accept it. Mm -hmm. That's a difference. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, we are incapable of God's level of forgiveness. Yeah. Um, it just, I, yeah. That's tough. Well, I'm glad you brought up healing, though, because a lot of times in the church, the way that we talk about forgiveness um, is not just about being in relationship with God, but it's about our own healing and learning to move forward. And we talk mm -hmm. about forgiveness a lot in terms of forgiving the person is not about the other person. It's about you right. and um, about being able to move forward. How do you think that forgiveness is an extension of God's healing and restoration? Like, how are we seeing that at work through the scriptures? Um, 
Well, so I think I heard two different questions, but uh, healing first comes, as you've already mentioned, you know, from the forgiveness. It, it's what helps me to heal. I believe that that's tied to God in terms of how God forgives us and how we find healing. That's what the salvation is. What's fascinating about the, the, the Greek concept of salvation as it is in the New Testament, uh, the word save and heal are almost exactly the same. And so there's a couple of instances in the, in the New Testament in the Gospels where Jesus says your faith has made you well or has saved you, and they, they mean the same thing. So salvation in New Testament is actually both a spiritual saving, a healing, but it's also a physical healing. It's a sense in which um, I am made sort of physically and emotionally and spiritually and psychologically whole through the gift that God offers to me in Christ. And that's a powerful image, right? That it's not just a, you're saving me from some eternal damnation, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're saving me for life, literally. And that's the healing that takes place. Well, and because I think that when we think of forgiveness, it is someone has wronged me in some way, and I have to reconcile with that. Mm -hmm. um, but when you describe it in the way of healing that you just did, you can see God's healing at work throughout the Christmas story um, with uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah right. with... Um, well, Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph, yeah. the shepherds yep. even. And, and we talked about that on the justice episode of like, how crazy is it that God first spread the news to the most outcast people, right. no, that's <laughs> you know? Exactly right. And yeah. so what are some of the, the different ways that you see that God's healing is at work throughout the Christmas story that we might not pick up on after the first read? Well, I think you mentioned several of them. I just feel like um, Mary and Joseph, the, the shepherds, that healing comes, and it comes to the whole world. I mean, a part of what God has offered in Jesus is that no longer is God's message of healing, salvation, and forgiveness just for a chosen group of people. It's now for anybody. And so the whole concept of Jesus coming into the world is not only that God has stepped into the world, therefore God is with us and among us, i.e. Emmanuel, but a part of it is that with God being among us, God wants to heal who we are. God wants. So the whole reason there's sin, sin is simply that we're broken and that we can't quite hit the mark of what God desired, which was, you know, peace and love and mercy and justice. And because we can't quite hit that, uh, what God is offering in Jesus in his birth and his life is a wholeness and a healing of our heart and of our mind. It's why uh, Jesus would, you know, perpetuate the law uh, from the Old Testament that said, love your neighbor as yourself and love God with everything you've got. That's a form of healing itself is when I can love myself, because that's the biggest weakness in loving my neighbor, right? I don't, I don't really love myself. I, I, th there's all kinds of things I either have shame about or embarrassment about or guilt about. Mm -hmm. And therefore, because I can't love myself very well, I, I don't love my neighbor very well. Yeah, but sometimes it feels like um, the church is perpetuating that mm. feeling of not being able to love yourself because of exactly what you yeah. described is we tell people they're broken. We tell people constantly, you're sinful, you're mm. broken, but there's good news. You don't have to be broken, but then it kind of creates this self-loathing or this guilt or yeah. this shame within us. Um, and so 
I think that because there's a whole movement right now about learning to love yourself. We're Mm -hmm. doing a lot of mental health. We're doing a lot of body positivity work, like all sorts of stuff that's entering our culture that we never got to experience before. How can the church be a part of that healing? Because I do agree that we are all broke. Well, I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for myself and say, I know that there are ways that I am broken. And I know there are ways that as much as I try, it feels like I mess up over and over and over again, usually in the same ways. Um, And so I know there's a need for that wholeness and healing. Uh, But how do you, how do you keep from uh, not loving yourself through that? Well, so again, back to your point about the church, you're right. We've kind of um, been more condemnatory than we have been um, healing, right? And so part of it just is what I just call messaging. Um, what God created in the garden was good. I mean, it said it over and over again, right? This is good. God called it good. And when God had created human humankind, it was very good, right? So we have to acknowledge we are good in and of who we are. So we start there. And then we also acknowledge that, man, we, we kind of uh, don't get things right from time to time, as you pointed out. So we move from you are good, and in, in other words, the very innateness of your being is good, no matter who you are, right? Uh, but I know for me, and you express for yourself, and, and theologically we say we're all actually broken. We're not fully whole. For each one of us it's different. For every one of us it manifests itself in different ways. And so that's the middle ground. And then you get sort of to the to uh, Jesus, and you go, okay, Jesus is kind of the solution. That is to say, he brings uh, the part of our brokenness into wholeness. So he brings the love and the mercy and the forgiveness and the justice that we can't quite get right, mm-hmm. and that and that the Hebrews clearly weren't getting right, as the scriptures tell us. And so. Jesus comes as that bridge or that gap filler or whatever language you want to use to kind of say, let's get back to the original creation. The original creation was good. It was beautiful. It was glorious. It was wonderful, right? So Jesus is trying to bring us back to that. And while it's not the topic of our conversation, that's what the book of Revelation is ultimately about is that's what he's come for. And that's what he will bring if we'll just allow him to do it. Mm. Well, okay. Uh, For forgiveness... In the Lord's Prayer, we say, um, forgive others as, help us to forgive others as we forgive ourselves. Or wait, what is it? I'd have to go through the whole prayer to get it exactly right. (laughs) Well, there's also a scripture that Jesus says that says, um, uh, if you don't, and I won't get it exactly right either, but if you don't forgive others, the Lord God won't forgive you. Yeah. It's very harsh language. Yes. I wanted to ask about that. Is that... Is that true? <laughs> I mean, I guess the answer is yes, because it's in Scripture, but it just feels like God went through all of this effort with the coming of Jesus to earth to offer that bridge for us and that forgiveness, and for there to be a caveat on that of like, you only get that if you forgive other people, feels counter to unconditional love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I can't tell you that I have a perfect answer, but I'm going to tell you what I have. So Jesus was full of sayings like that, that man, they they sound counter to what he offers. Like there's a point in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring uh, a damage or, or, or a dis- d- uh, division. That's the word. I haven't come to bring peace, but division. Holy crud, we call him the Prince of Peace. How, why would you say you, you don't come to bring peace? He'll say in another place that you, you must hate mother and brother, father and sister and brother. And, and you're like, 
that seems very counter to your message, Jesus. And so what we have to ask is, so what's that all about? And the first thing most scholars say is that's about hyperbole. Jesus was a master of hyperbole. In other words, let me say something that is of the extreme so that you'll hear me. So with regard to the forgiveness deal, it's um, you don't really understand forgiveness from God, i.e. you won't get it, unless you know how to demonstrate it, unless you know how to offer it to somebody else. I do not think what Jesus literally meant was, if you don't forgive others, God's never going to forgive you. Mm. But I do think what he meant was, for you to really understand God's forgiveness, you better know how to forgive your neighbor because Mm. you're never going to get it. I think that's what he meant by that. And I and it makes me it reminds me that ultimately forgiveness on both ends is a humbling experience. And so maybe it's about experiencing the humility involved in being forgiven and forgiving. Absolutely, because that's at the core of who Jesus was. Right. Humility. And so uh, for us to be Jesus like, which is our calling, if, if we profess faith in Jesus, a part of our calling is we want to emulate him as much as we humanly can. And humility is at the core of who Jesus was. Mm. Well, so looking specifically at Christmas for you, um, how has this understanding of forgiveness changed your understanding of Christmas or how you celebrate Christmas? Yeah. Well, so I I just have to own that in my own household, uh, we are at odds every year because I am what some would call the curmudgeon. Um, I really want to be scriptural and I want to be, you know, all about the birth of Jesus. And in my house, it's really all about who, what kind of gifts can we get and how can we, you know, decorate his all get out and all that kind of stuff. And so in my home, I often come off as the, you know, the Grinch, right? And what I try to do is to try to reconcile the differences, right? The whole reason we give gifts is because it emulates the gift of Christ, right? And the whole reason we want to decorate is to remind ourselves of the of the, the bounty and the abundance of what God offers to us. And so we put out all kinds of stuff, right? So for me, forgiveness, um, uh, in terms of how it's changed my understanding of Christmas, it reminds me that forgiveness is not just about the cross and the resurrection. It's about Jesus's whole life, including his birth, and that I have to remind myself that my entire life, from birth to death and resurrection, is about learning how to forgive, and trying to get better at it all the time, both for my own mental and physical health, right, the healing we talked about, and to try to emulate God's goodness in the world that came in and through Jesus. So that's what I try to do. I'm not very good at it, but that's what I try to do. Well, and I think that the... The way that you describe, because I'll say when, when we were talking about, you know, is it true that I have to forgive others before I've been forgiven? The way that you explained that, um, it kind of clicked in with me in a new way of it's a, it's a recognition that we're all human. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes and we can stop putting the pressure on ourselves. Right. Like it is not a list of things that you have to accomplish to achieve. Like God's forgiveness is not an achievement to be unlocked. Correct. Um, And so with things like getting caught up in the culture of Christmas Mm. um, and, you know, I think that you saying gifts represent, you know, the gift of Jesus coming down to earth. That was very nice of you to say. I don't agree with that. I think that as Christians, we adopted pagan traditions and then slapped (laughs) our brand on it. Um, Don't get real here. Don't get real. (laughs) But... 
Um, <laughs> I think it's okay for us to be human and yeah. it's okay for us to <laughs> seek joy during this season. And if that means putting up a Christmas tree and putting lights on it and baking cookies yeah. and doing yeah. all of the things that bring you joy, I think that that is a part of the Christmas story. As long as we can find a way to... Uh, stay centered and not get carried away by right, it, not right. forget right. Uh, that Advent is a preparation. Yeah, and it's why, for instance, I really appreciate you sharing that, because it's why we offer uh, these concepts like justice and forgiveness as opposed to some of the more, quote-unquote, traditional themes, because we need more of both of those. We need more of love and hope and peace, too, but we also need justice and forgiveness because it's it's really at the core of who Jesus was and what he brought to mm-hmm. the world. Well, and with every theme that we've been talking about, the conclusion that I'm coming to is that it is not just about what Jesus offers to us. It is not just about the gift that God gave us. It's about us choosing to participate mm-hmm. yeah. in that gift. Yeah. And so... What can I do to participate in the forgiveness that Jesus brings this Advent? Oh, man. Well, of course, what it means is accountability. Who, who is it that I need to forgive in my life, right? Who is it that has either wronged me or maybe has wronged um, society or somehow? Um, how is it that I can demonstrate forgiveness? Knowing that I don't have to accept or condone the behavior But in order for me to move past whatever those hindrances are in that relationship, I need to forgive that person. Mm -hmm. And it demonstrates, as you've already pointed out, the humility of Christ and the call that we all have as followers of Christ to forgive other people. So the big step is determine who who it is you might need to, excuse me, who who it is you might need to forgive uh, to help you, quite literally, better know Jesus, Mm -hmm. which is a little ironic, right? Yeah. Well, and I think also recognizing that person might be yourself because, um, man, I can be really hard on myself. Mm -hmm. And when I mess up, for some reason, I hold myself to a higher Mm -hmm. standard than I do everyone else, which is kind of arrogant of me. Um, But I beat myself up for weeks and weeks after I've made even the Mm. smallest mistake, especially when I feel like I should have known better. Yeah. Well, that's then that then that gets back to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. And and if I can't love myself because I'm beating up on myself, it's hard to love my neighbor. All right. Well, this so the last question that I have, and I've been asking everybody in this this podcast series. It doesn't have to be specific to forgiveness, so I'll release you from that theme. (laughs) Um, Our worship series is Christmas Kaleidoscope. Yes, and yeah, Kaleidoscope is uh, all of the unique pieces coming Mm -hmm. together to show this beautiful story of God's love and God's grace for us. in the birth of Jesus. So I just want to know, what is your favorite kaleidoscope moment (laughs) of the Christmas story where you see one little piece that just maximizes the big picture? Yeah. For me, I I literally couldn't help but go back to the prophet Isaiah, because for me, that kaleidoscope moment is, man, six, seven, eight hundred years before Jesus is born, there are folks talking about the concept of this this baby, basically, or this Messiah who is to come. They clearly don't know it's Jesus. They don't know specifically who it is, but they know there's going to be this figure. And man, when you read some of the texts out of Isaiah, some of which are very familiar to us, 
it pulls it all together. You, you read, for instance, in Isaiah chapter 9, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Holy crud. That's very powerful, right? And then you, you look at uh, Isaiah 11, just a couple chapters later, and it describes essentially Jesus. A shoot shall come forth from the stump of Jesse. Well, Jesse's David's father, and David is the descendant of Jesus, right? And so you, you have this long lineage of connection. And so every time we have uh, Christmas, I reflect back hundreds of years even before Jesus' birth, and I think, man, God, God was at work, right? God was doing something powerful, and even though those authors, Isaiah and others, had no idea of this guy named Jesus, they had an idea that someone was coming and someone was going to do this powerful thing. And now we believe, as Christians, that it's Jesus. And um, to me, that's, that's a huge piece of that kaleidoscope that just comes to full color uh, when we have the birth. All right. Well... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And thanks for doing this episode with me. And uh, hey, guys, check out everything that we've got going on this Advent. And check out Christmas Eve worship times and all that good stuff at tmumc.org slash Christmas. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.